Okay, hi guys, and welcome to this week's Swancast from Staines Rugby Club. We are very lucky this week. We've got a, a mate of mine joining us. Um, this guy probably doesn't know this, but he's right up there. The reason why I'm coaching for a living at the moment, which is the best decision that I've ever made. So I'm very, very happy with that. Um, so, yeah, without further ado, I'll, I'll let him introduce himself. Uh, this is Ross Donahan. Wow, man. Um, I did not know that. So, um, yeah, you know, I, I take that as a, as a huge compliment. Um, yeah, thank you for that. And, uh, yeah, um, I'm Ross Donegan, and um, I'm a former professional rugby player, um, and I'm currently head coach at Harringay Rhinos Ladies. Cool. Uh, what are you doing with your time at the moment, Ross? It's, it's strange times. Um, yeah, so uh, it is strange times, um, and I, I'm i trying to think how long lockdown's been now. It's uh, kind of lost count of the weeks, right? Um, but uh, one thing I've tried to do, make the most of my time, or I suppose um, a friend of mine described it as this gift of time. I think that's really a really positive way to look at it. Um, and, and that is I've, I've tried really hard to go away and, and look at myself um, as a rugby coach and how my philosophy looks um as a coach has it changed um and, and you know gone away and tried to upscale myself through reading and, and online courses and uh, anything I could really get my teeth into that's gonna you know sort of stimulate my my coaching brain and, and get me thinking that's that's really cool I I suspect you've been running as well haven't you because I saw you the other day and you've lost loads of weight and it's sickening because I've just put it all on um, oh, man. Let, let's gloss over that to be honest I am so fat at the moment it's ridiculous anyway um, so we we got chatting <laughs> yeah it's all right you laughing um, we we got chatting a while ago um, and and the word culture came up in our conversation and that's what kind of got yeah. us got us into into where we are tonight I guess so I'd like to start mate um can you just explain what what you think culture means? It's a word we use a lot when we talk about rugby and rugby clubs and that sort of thing. And I don't think we ever really dig down into what we mean by it. So, what what's your thoughts? Yeah, you're totally right, man. It's a, it's a word that's thrown around um, a huge amount, and um, when sort of used correctly, um, it, it can be an, an, a really powerful tool. Um, I suppose what what the dictionary um, says about culture <laughs> is that it, it, it is um, you know it's culture is, is made up um, of activities important um, for development um, of civilization um, and of people's minds. That's um, a really kind of um, dotting the t's and crossing the i's way of, of talking about what, what what culture culture is or culture means. But to me, um, in a nutshell, um, to me it's the set of beliefs that an organization buys into um that, that that's the simplest way that i could describe culture I, I i really like that um i like the the dictionary definition about people's minds as well that was that was pretty cool you yeah. can tell i haven't looked it up um no, well i made the point of looking it up um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very, yeah very sensible always be prepared that's the that's the way isn't it um so so what what does a, a people centric culture? We again we talk about putting people first as coaches. We talk about putting players first. Um, in my new role as a director of rugby, I've got to look beyond players. What 
what to you does it does it look like to have a people centric or a player centric culture? Um, well, I, I guess the only way I can answer that is by you know telling the the stories of, of my experiences. Um, uh, I went on the RFU director rugby course um, a couple of years ago, um, and it was really brilliant at, at, at spelling this out. Um, Ian Bell. Um, I think formerly the RFU, I'm not sure if Ian Bell still with the RFU, but he led my course um, and, and it was fantastic. And we got a guest speaker down. We had um, Steve Hill from Richmond um, and, and he was brilliant. He spoke uh, massively about culture um, and, and a player-centered culture. Um, and he put that down to, to why Richmond um, have been so successful as, as not only gathering players, but, but keeping players and being able to put out um, a ones, a twos, a threes, a fours, and a, and a fives um, a, lot of, a lot of weekends. Um, and it came down to that player-centered culture. And the player-centered culture, in a nutshell, is, is all about the player and, and the player's development and um, the player's you know, ultimate well-being, um, win or lose. Um, they're still having a fantastic time um, being involved in rugby because um, the culture is all about uh, their development um, on the pitch and off the pitch. And it's really important that we, we talk about that. Is it, it is an on the pitch and off the pitch thing. Yeah, that, I mean, that's that's great. Again, you and I were chatting. Um, we listened to the the Jack Patton, John Fish um, webinar the other, the other week and started talking afterwards about about the the people development and developing people so what you know what what are your recollections as a as a pro player how how did that look when you were coming through your development as a young man and and do you think it's changed is it is it better is it worse is it what do you think well um well it's a great question um I suppose I, I masqueraded um, as a professional player for about six years from the age of 19. Um, my journey actually took me away from uh, from Scotland, where I was born, um, and I left and I moved to South Africa, um, and I was there for two years. Um, and the rugby cultural difference between Scotland and South Africa um, was massive, um, not in a negative way, um, but in a way that... Um, Rugby was life and, and death almost in South Africa. Um, it, it, if you won a game, it, it was the best thing ever. I, I, when, when you lost a game, um, you know, guys would be really quiet on the bus home um, or, or, or at the, the, the uh, post-game meal. Um, uh, this was obviously not at a, um, at a community level. This is at an academy level and then ultimately a professional level in the Curry Cup over there. Um, so people kind of lived and breathed the game. It was everywhere you went. Um, and one thing that I got from that was a real sense of, wow, I'm really fortunate to be here. Um, and uh, the culture there kept me grounded because it was such a such a popular sport. And there were so many people fighting to, to get in the team that um, – the, the culture promoted by the coaches actually ensured that you never took your jersey for granted um, and that every training session was not only an opportunity for you to get better, but ultimately it was an opportunity for someone else. Um, so I found the culture there really pushed me hard to try and be the best that I could be um, and and ultimately try and be better than the person next to me fighting for that jersey. And how, how did that 
how did that culture kick in then for, for instance, the, the day that you weren't selected to wear that jersey? Um, what, how, how did that look? Were you, were you expected just to, did you get a, a text saying, sorry, mate, not this week? Um, sorry, but. Um, and and we see you see you on Tuesday, or was it? Yeah, we we need to see you Saturday morning. You're looking after the guy who who's wearing your jersey. Who's how, how did that look? Um, well, I suppose um, how it looked was uh, I, I watched another guy uh, run out onto the field wearing uh, the jersey that I wanted to wear. Um, how it felt was. Um, at that point in my life and, and, and in that environment, it was, okay, what do I need to do to, to go and get better? Um, the coach was really approachable. Um, I had uh, an ex-Zimbabwe international called David Mazer, who was my head coach there. Um, David was a great guy. Um, and uh, I was able to approach David and ask him questions about what did I need to do to get better? What did I need to do to ensure that it was me running out there wearing the, the jersey? Um, and I never stopped asking those questions. Um, and, and the environment promoted there was very much a, a one that um, you were allowed to, to ask that question. Um, and you were given the opportunity in training to, um, to basically showcase yourself again to see if you could um, effectively walk the walk um, and, and make those improvements that he'd recommended to you. That's, I mean that that sounds really cool. I've I've got limited experience in South African rugby, but it's yeah, it's 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 been it's much more brutal from what I've what I've seen of it. Um, that may be the the Africana versus the Zimbabwean approach, but um, yeah. So it's, then you obviously you you're not still in South Africa. So when when you came back, where where did you go, and and how how was that culture different, and how did that affect you? Um, well, actually, um, I believe I was really lucky because when I came back from South Africa, I, I went to Rotherham Titans um, and the head coach there was a, a chap called Andre Bester, so a, a South African guy. So actually, I went out of a South African environment in, in East London, um, which is a town down on the Eastern Cape. <laughs> I know, I know East London. <laughs> Some people think I'm talking. London um, and, uh, I, I came out of that environment um, and flew um, back to Edinburgh, drove down to Rotherham and, and um, stepped into a, another staff environment where the coach, not only was the coach staff, um, but a lot of my uh, teammates were staff as well. So the environment um, didn't actually change too much. It, w- it was still a real positive one and we were still playing that staff brand of rugby, which was where your heart and your sleeve give everything you've got um, and and leave nothing nothing in the tank. That that's really cool. Um you obviously you see, you know, you're you're coaching at Harringay, but you you do other coaching as well. Um I know that you've been involved in in some pro setups. Obviously I know that you were involved at Ealing um just before I started being involved there. Um although that's when we met um how, how do you see that culture as as different because uh with the best will in the world you're not nearly as old as me but you are not 19 anymore so things things have moved on things have changed what do you what do you see that's different not um, not necessarily better or worse just different 
Uh, well, I'll, I'll tell you one thing uh, that I think um, is better is certainly um, the the mental um, healthcare and the mental welfare that that the, the game's trying to um, push on with. And that definitely was not um, too present um, when when I was trying to make it. Um, it was a case of if you didn't get picked, then uh, you know that was up to you to kind of to deal with your demons in the best way that you could. Um, what I see at Ealing, what what Ben Ward I think is doing fantastically well up at Ealing, um, and and with Ty Sterry alongside him there with their academy, is that they are taking care of of the individual, um, and they're trying to create um, the best that individual can be, and um, they're not looking to create um, uh, another sort of uh, fifteen players that then slot into um, a kneeling mould. They're they're looking to create an individual and ensure that he not only um, is getting the best uh, rugby coaching, um, but he's also getting the best support in terms of physiotherapists, the best support in terms of nutritionists and sports psychology. But they're also getting um, uh, an education out of it as well. Um, <clears throat> That uh, is something that I did see before when I was in South Africa at the um, academy. I was down there. They they did have players enrolled at the local college. Um, so Ealing have, have taken that one step further. They've got guys at uh, Brunel Uni. So they're taking care of life um, after rugby and um, before rugby's even began. So Ben and Ty are are actually thinking outside the box big time and ensuring that players, when they've they've done a fantastic service for freelance field finders, they're still landing on their feet and going into um, a life post rugby, and, and that can be really hard for for some individuals. Um, and the fact that they're taking care of that already um, shows the, um, I suppose, the, the forward thinking that the Ben and Ty uh, up at Ealing are 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 doing and exercising, um, and it's a great thing to see. Yeah, I I, I couldn't agree more with that. Um, I'm a I'm a massive fan of Ty's Ty. Uh, guys at Staines will know Ty from from a few years ago when he was coaching down there and. Ty's the guy that put me in touch with with the job at Staines. Um, he's also the guy that put me in touch with the job at Ealing. And yeah, I owe him quite a lot, apparently. Um, I, I remember having a conversation with him about when, when we were coaching at Wickham together, about whether we whether we were coaching individuals or a team. And it took me a while to work out what he was on about because I, you know, I was dipping in and out of coaching Tuesdays, Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays in those days. And he was he was on about are we if we can make these rugby players better rugby players, better people, then we'll get a better team out of it. Let's not, yeah. you know, we're not, we're not coaching moves. We're not coaching what, what we want to see this Saturday. We're coaching what we want to see in the future. And I, I'm a, like I say, I'm a big fan of ties. Um, I'm loving my time at Ealing as well. Um, we, we won't go into the details of why I didn't start, coaching at Ealing sooner um and and who didn't give me a job at Ealing we won't go into that now but um yeah so um uh, we've we've been rabbiting on for a little while um is it is there anything that you want to you want to throw out while while we're talking about culture something that I haven't asked something that I haven't thought of something that we've talked about previously that that I've overlooked anything that you think is important mate Yeah, sure, man. Um, I mean, one of the things that I I would love to talk about um, is is the the sort of culture that that I've tried to create at at Haringey 
um, effectively it's a sort of combination and sampling of all the cultures that I've, I've experienced in my time um, in Scotland, in South Africa and England um, as a coach and as a player. Um, and uh, it, it's, I suppose I've tried to use the best of everything that I've experienced because there, you know, there will be something good in, in every culture that you experience. There'll be something that, that is striking and think, oh, actually, I can take something away, away from that. Whether it's, you know, oh, I know not to do that. Um, again, that's still, that's still a, a learning that, that's really vital, especially if you want to press on um, and develop as, as not only a rugby coach or a rugby person, but as any kind of individual. Um, so what I've tried to do with the Rhinos um, is, is try and create that environment of um, it's okay to fail. Um, when I arrived at the Rhinos, which was uh, a year ago this summer, um, I had very little experience of, of coaching um, women. Um, I'd, I'd done the odd session here or there um, and, and shadowed Gary Street down at, um, at Harlequin's Ladies. Um, but when I got to Haringey, the, the environment that I found was that it was really different on the pitch to what it was off the pitch. Off the pitch, they were a very tight-knit group. There was that great social bond um, and they believed in each other as people. Um, and I could see straight away I had a fantastic group of people. And that's when I realized, well, I can really work with this group and, and try and get them to, you know, exceed their potential as individuals and then ultimately as a collective. Um, so I, I got together with um, the assistant coach, Vicky Gardner, up there, um, and we encouraged that theme of fearlessness. We wanted players to understand that failing is absolutely acceptable in our environment because it gives you that opportunity to learn. You know, and when learning is taking place, um, you're getting better. And, and I always believe that if you're getting better, then ultimately you're enjoying your rugby more. And if you're enjoying your rugby more, then, you know, the sky's the limit really in terms of what you as an individual can, can get out of it. Um, so uh, that was something that, that we pushed really, really hard. Um, the other thing that, that I wanted the players to understand um, was that uh, Vicky and I were going to be 110% transparent um, and 110% authenticity. Um, There's something that I told the girls regularly, um, and that was, uh, I'm going to love you to death, but I'm going to tell you the truth. Um, and I said that regularly because I wanted them to know that um, what I was telling them was always for their benefit. Um, it wasn't about me, it wasn't about Vicky, it was all about the individuals and the collective, i.e. the players in the playing squad um, improving um, in every session uh, and every game. Um, and we are still, I believe, searching for our limit. We, we've gone the season undefeated. Um, we drew one game and won 14. Um, and uh, I think we only really conceded 111 points and scored over 400 in, in 15 games, which is, is pretty great. Um, they, they're a team that uh, blew me away because as soon as I gave them the opportunity to, to believe in themselves and actually uh, allow them to be aware that there's a support system there through Vicky and through myself. They just threw the kitchen sink at every game and uh, never looked back. Um, 
So, uh, yeah, I believe that I didn't do anything special other than allow them to have a go. Um, and that culture of being a really tight-knit group and a really socially um, bonded group off the pitch, we, we tried to get that replicated onto the pitch so that they were believing in each other's skills, they knew the person next to them had their back, um, and that was just, um, you know, it just seeped through the team, that positivity and that uh, belief um, as a collective, it was it was great to watch, um, and yeah, uh, we uh, we just kicked on from there. Um, it's it's been a fantastic journey. That that's really cool. I mean, I've I've coached some some women's rugby. Uh, it's a challenge sometimes, isn't it? Um, but yeah, that may I I love what you said there about you know just letting them learn, no fear of failure. Um, I've actually I've been talking to uh, a he- coaching hero of mine, and hopefully he's going to come and do a Swancast for us, but particularly about learning from failure um, in the next couple of weeks. I hope, um, fingers crossed. Anyway, if he's not too yeah. busy, so so yeah, um, I love that and the the real positive. I I also love the you know I, l- I love you to bits, but I'll. I'll tell you what's going on. The dog is, yeah. Excellent. Mate, that that sounded awful. Then there was a there was a big bang, and then the, then the dog stopped barking. Did you shut the door or something? Jumped at the window. Um, oh man. Uh, Getting back to the point on on getting them to to have that fear that fearlessness of, of failure, um, it's, it's really easily said, um, and that was something that I was super conscious of. And I thought, how how can I get them to believe what I'm saying and believe what I'm preaching? And it's it's where Vicky and I said we are going to be just the, the big buzzword for us was authentic. We were going to be authentic in everything we did. Um, and we were going to allow the girls um, to experience failure, um, and and in training there be no consequences um, within reason. Obviously, we we want to coach through games, and we want to to sort of get players learning through failure, and um, potentially with the odd consequence thrown in there. But with this particular group, um, I, I really wanted them to to try and and you know, jump in at the deep end um, and and don't hold anything back. Um, and, and we got that through being transparent and, and being, I suppose, ruthlessly authentic with them and with ourselves about the direction we were going and, and how we were coaching. Um, and as you said um, earlier, uh, my quote of, I'm, I'm going to love you to death and I'm going to tell you the truth. I think that was really my sort of catchphrase around my authenticity or our authenticity, I suppose, as, as a, a coaching pair. That's that's really cool. I might I might steal that. Um poss- possibly not with the guys at Staines who you might be surprised. But um yeah, did did you find it did you find it scary to be that authentic? Um do you know what? Um 
I tried not to think about it too much because I actually realised there was no other way with particularly with with coaching um women. Um the um this group I had were really inquisitive. They really wanted to know why we were doing what we were doing, what was the process um, and what was the, the overall purpose and what was the ideal outcome. So um those those guys that have coached um teams like that, you really have to stop and think, okay, do I believe and what I'm saying is what I'm saying really authentic is, and then that's when you have to, what I had to anyway, I had to really pull all the layers back and think, right, um, here's my here's my coaching philosophy. Um, this is the playing philosophy I've got for this team. Um, am I going in the right direction? Can I can I get across what I want to say in 30 seconds? Um, okay, I really got to think about what I'm saying here, and that's when I realize, well, actually, I'm, I'm just going to tell the truth. And that would be as far as to say, um, guys, uh, I'm going to be 100 times honestly and tell you that I don't know how this, this game coming up is is, is going to unfold. Um, that That's not up to me. It's up to you. Um, because we, we've been authentic all week uh, in both training sessions. Um, and, you know, dialing into the words of, of Bill Walsh, you know, if you put in the performance, the score will take care of itself. Um, for any of your listeners out there that, that um, haven't heard of Bill Walsh, he's uh, the ex-San Francisco 49ers, um, late great guy. Um, uh, yeah, he coached San Francisco 49ers for over a decade, um, led them to three Super Bowls, I think, um, and uh, he preached massively about performance. Um, and how performance-orientated goals um, led to victory. Um, and he managed to do that, um, taking, I think, the worst NFL team in 1980 and turning them into the Super Bowl champions in 24 months. Um, not once, um, well, so he says, not once they talk about winning. He just spoke about performing and, and their standard of performance. Um, and I think when you start talking about stuff like that, you have to be authentic. You know, you, you have to be yourself. So to answer your question, in the long way, was I afraid? I don't know if I had time to be. I, I think to me there was no other option but to be authentic with, with this team, with these rhinos. That's that's really cool. Um, another plug for Bill Walsh's book. I'm, I'm in the middle of reading it at the moment on Ross's recommendation. The bits that I've read are pretty cool. Um, so, yeah, why not go out and 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 get a copy? Perhaps you'll um, perhaps you'll be able to tell us something that would be really cool, um, mate. I'm I'm aware of the time. Um, we've been we've been chatting for probably longer than we we agreed to be chatting for. Um, uh, that that's the mark of a great conversation, man. That's <laughs> <laughs> all I tell myself. It's one of my biggest failings as a coach and as in anything really is that I talk too much. Never, never use one word when 10 will do. Um, so yeah, let's, let, let's wrap it up. Um, thank you so much for, for your insights. They've been, they've been so cool. Um, I, I was pretty, may I, I was pretty sure I had the right guy to talk about this and, and you've just, you've just gone and, and absolutely blown me away. So Thanks for that. I look forward to continuing the conversation offline sometime. Um, Next week. Sure, man, anytime. That'll be so cool. Um, Next week, guys, on Swancast, hopefully we've got another celebrity guest joining us. I'm still waiting to hear back from her at the moment, but fingers crossed. Um, So 
look forward to that one. I look forward to speaking to you guys all next week. Thank you very much for listening.